Hey dreamers, welcome to episode three of Tea Cakes and Tarot with Will Wilhelm. You know, I'm on a mission, call it an agenda if you will, but my mission is to bring the experience of trans and non-binary and gender non-conforming people into the average American household. I say household specifically instead of individual because queerness and transness is not a familial or hereditary thing. Often queer people are born into families and surroundings where they don't really have any queer community or queer support within their immediate network. So to me, it's really important that people are prepared for how to support and nurture and love a trans child, a trans neighbor, maybe your trans grandparent down the line, who knows? I want that understanding to be deeper than an aesthetic recognition, even though, you know, often we may or may not look really fabulous and fantastical and gorge. But I need us to get deeper than the surface level, deeper than pronouns. And to access that mental and emotional understanding in the way that it deserves, the only way that I can do that is by bringing as many queer and TGNC people as I can along with me. Because the experiences are ever more complicated as we continue to excavate them. So, if we're ready to continue on that mission, let's find ourselves back in the space between. I'm really excited to share another amazing artist with you today. Have a wonderful conversation, followed by our super nerdy, super special tarot reading. <laughs> to remind you, that is a card from the Major Arcana and one of Shakespeare's sonnets. Today, I'm going to be joined by someone with an extreme talent for queering the room at every step of the process. She is the casting associate at the Playwrights Realm. She's also done a ton of freelance casting work. If you're an actor, you should hope to be blessed with an email from her or an invitation to come see her in a room. My guest today is Ada Karamanian. Our conversation was originally recorded on October 21st, 2020. Hi, darling. How are you, sweetie? Oh, I'm doing, I'm doing okay, actually. Yeah. yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing fairly well. Thank you. I'm How glad to hear that. I am, I'm also doing okay. You know, despite everything, I'm finding the gratitude, I'm finding the joy, even when it feels a little laborious. Mm -hmm. I am obsessed with your look. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming dressed as the part. Um, I'm so excited to like share your achievements uh, with our group. Um, you are the only guest that we have booked so far that I've never met in person, which just, is just a great detriment to me. And I can't wait for the day to come. Um, something that you have done recently that I'm, a, I'm really curious to know more about is you single-handedly cast Shakespeare's entire canon with the Play On project, uh, which is doing these amazing um, translations of uh, Shakespeare's language just to make them more accessible and make them more current um, and, and I would love to know about that experience and that privilege to sort of cast a whole canon of work. Sure, um, 
the project was presented to me in December of 2000, what was it, 18 now, I guess, so almost two years ago. Um, I was actually on Whidbey Island uh, visiting my parents. I was living in New York at the time. And um, I it was, re the producers reached out to me and asked if I was interested in getting to know this project. And it was probably the longest email I've ever received in my life because explaining the project and the history of the project and what they were hoping to achieve um, with casting help uh, was not something that you could really tidy up in, in a quick email. Um, so uh, I was very curious at, at, uh, to, to kind of dip my toes into it, but I knew that the, the scope of what they were asking was um, enormous. And, and I was very frank with them up front and said, um, I had only been in New York for, at that point, um, just over two years. And so my knowledge of the New York acting community might not um, uh, I, I wasn't, I, I was confident with what I knew, but if it was what they needed to cast something of, again, of that size, I wasn't entirely sure um, that I was the right fit. Um, so with a series of conversations, it, it kind of uh, dawned on me pretty quickly that it was something that was, it was a challenge, let's say, that I was um, especially interested in um, attacking, particularly at that point in my career. Granted, my career has only been so many years so, so far, but um, the timing of it was kind of perfect because I needed something that was really going to push me to the point of um, either, it was sort of a sink or swim, let's say. Um, and, that was, <laughs> and now one can argue that all casting projects are technically a, a sink or swim, but that one especially, especially was. So um, it was helpful that the idea was at first was to create an ensemble. And so that was sort of how we initially approached it. And so it was going to be a group of 80 actors um, that would receive a contract, an off-Broadway contract um, that would employ them for a month. And each week they would do a different reading and each reading had 10, at least 10 actors in it. So the doubling and everything was done so that everyone was employed for at least those five weeks. Um, that expanded to over 150 actors um, as we got into it and realized we can stretch out some casts um, and still employ those 80. So, uh, uh, so that's what we did. <laughs> There's a little bit about it. Um, I, it would take a very long time to describe the whole process, but oh my, I can only imagine such like a behemoth project. Mm -hmm. um, I'd love to like go like a little bit further into, uh, you know, as we've discussed, like you are one of very, very few trans people that we ever see behind the table. Not that there's a ton of us on the stage, uh, you know, but there's, there's, a, there's a good handful who I adore. Um, but as far as people walking in to an audition room, who's behind the table is a lot of cis people, a lot of white people. And you wrote this incredible article for American Theater Magazine about how we're expected to sort of open up our souls and ask to be understood and asked to um, ask those people to find value in what we do. Um, and that's hard because sometimes there's a lot of people, well-meaning or not, who simply don't understand who we are. So how could they really value that when it comes to what we do? So. I'm, I'm very curious, I would love to know, like, when it comes to, because there are very few um, roles that are written for trans people, um, specifically, you know, roles are written as cis men or as cis women 
almost all the time, regardless of whether their, their storyline has anything to do with gender. So when you, because you are a trans casting director, are like advocating for the trans people behind the table, like, how do you negotiate that with all of the cis people with whom you're working? Like, sort of uh, making sure that they know that they can trust themselves to know that like men and women don't look like one thing and audiences can suspend their disbelief enough to like understand what we tell them and accept what we tell them. I, that was many questions in one, but. <laughs> um, so the few casting directors who are TGNC um, that I know, uh, and I have had conversations a little bit here and there about our approach with cis creative teams um, in introducing trans and non-binary and gender non-conforming uh, non actors to an audition process, let's say. So, um, which of course can be a very different conversation than when you are talking about offer only um, casting uh, outcomes, let's say for a reading or for a developmental workshop. Um, and with, I found that there's usually two ways to go about it. And one is to have a very open and frank conversation up front. Um, and another is to just sort of do it and not call attention to it, um, which I think is sort of, <laughs> I think for TGNC people, that's how there's, that is not limited to just a casting situation. That's in many ways how we navigate spaces and um, day in and day out interactions. So do we call attention to our identities and get it out of the way and um, advocate for ourselves and kind of put that first or that foot forward or do we just go um, and, and, and just be? Um, I tend to think that the latter is usually the, um, it's usually how I like to approach things. So I usually don't, uh, I don't think that asking for permission is um, appropriate. You shouldn't have to ask permission about anything, um, quite frankly, is, is, is how I feel. And I think that that's one thing that casting directors can be useful for is to kind of open a creative team's uh, ideas up by just giving them the, these options. Um, and uh, you, creative teams never really, I mean, I shouldn't say never, but a lot of times creative teams do not know that somebody is right for something until they see. And that uh, can also go for, they might not realize that having a different interpretation of this character than what they have in, have in their head might not actually be better than perhaps, um, or, or maybe not better. Um, I'm, I'm twisting my words, <laughs> words up here a little bit, but um, uh, might in fact be, a more powerful or interesting choice than this narrow idea that they've had. And so by mixing it up, um, and that goes beyond just TGNC, the TGNC acting community, you can you can invite everyone into the room, really. Um, and so that tends to be sort of how I approach an audition setting. Um, if people are right for the role, they're right for the role. Um, and I don't think, uh, I don't think that we're doing anyone any service, let alone an audience, by keeping things so narrow and so limited. Um, so I, I don't know if that really answered. Many different answers, but you you like summarize that so beautifully, the dichotomy oh. between like constantly advocating for like, I am here and I am trans, damn it. Versus like, just let me fucking be. Everyone else just gets to be. That was, thank you for, for putting that so beautifully. And it's like, 
you know, people forget sometimes, like, what do we see when we go to the theater? It's called a play. So let the people play. I used and to have like, a, I had a, invited to play. I had a, uh, an old boss. I actually wrote this in the article, but then it was dropped in like the second draft or something because it wasn't really that important. But I, I had this boss at, um, at ACT Theater in Seattle years ago when I worked there. And um, I was in their box office for a couple of years before I moved on to another department. And um, I just clashed a lot with my supervisor. And so our the head of the department would often have to kind of sit us down and have these mediations. And, um, uh, and she would always kind of lean in and say, we just put on fucking plays here. <laughs> That's, we're just, this isn't rocket scientists. We are not curing cancer. No. We are putting on plays. It's, it's so just <laughs> figure it out. Um, and that was a very sobering thing to to think of. Not that not to diminish the power of having trans and non-binary bodies on stage and 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 being a representative of the community. That is something tremendous. But you're right. At the end of the day, when it comes to the deliberation, like and thinking about it, I can't tell you how many times I've been put in a position of having to ask actors to wait for days, if not weeks on end, whether or not I'm going to hire them yeah. because an artistic director needs to take a moment to deal with their own crap that they haven't sorted out in their own personal lives. And what they're actually doing is, is not saying, oh, is this actor really the right person versus this person? They're thinking, what are the optics of hiring the same old, same old versus actually hiring somebody who um, might bring an actual authenticity to this role. And I would say nine times out of 10, at least in my experience so far in those situations, they end up casting the cis white boring person who has a long existing resume and it might be a great actor, but in the end, it is not as authentic as hiring this other person who could really use that opportunity, who could really use that job, who, if they don't get that job, does not necessarily have 3,500 other casting breakdowns that are out there that they can have their agents submit them to. And so, anyway. <laughs> we could have that conversation for a long time. You don't have to tell me twice. True. Okay. Um, I want to give, I want to, I want to uh, have one little fun question. If there is like any trans or non-binary or gender non-conforming actor that, like that you admire or a celebrity, it could be a film person, it could be someone from Play On, like what would what is a dream Shakespeare role that you wanna put like your favorite TGNC actor in? Wow, <clears throat> I don't think I've ever thought of that before. Um... Uh, is it appropriate for me to name actors or should I? Yeah, keep absolutely. <laughs> I don't want to just out one person, but no, um, okay. one, of my, one of my favorite performers, period, who time and time again, she has shown herself, shown up, done the work, and is just, uh, I can't even put words into just how wonderful she is and how much people need to hire her, is Anish Sheth. And Anish 
has shown up a few times in Shakespeare in productions, Shakespeare's productions throughout New York in the past couple years. And it makes utterly no sense that she is not being hired more often. She actually just recently did a reading of the beginning of the pandemic. She did a reading of Much Ado About Nothing with an entire TGNZ cast. And she read the role of Beatrice and it just sort of blew my mind, her in this part. So um, what role would I like to see her do? Like a dream part? Um, hmm. I don't know. <laughs> to me like you want all to see her do I want to see her. Yes, I was... want to see her do the like Ian McKellen solo performance <laughs> where she just does everyone. That's um, amazing. Um, okay, yeah. Thank you for like giving everyone someone that they need to like give more love and attention to. That's a name that I've heard, but I but I don't know her work very well. So you've also given me someone to. Um, yeah, she's been on television. She's very accessible. So find her on television. I will, I will. <laughs> Ada, can I give you a reading, darling? Yes, please. Please, God, give me a reading. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We're just going to make our little scene changes. So, um, as I said, I'm going to give you a reading. Uh, we're going to do one card from the Major Arcana, and we're going to do one of Shakespeare's sonnets. Um, that's going to be the format. Um, so like, what's going on with you? What's a question that you're curious about? A sort of like, you know, anything that you want greater clarity on? Ask me that one more time. I know I actually was following along, but I was still working the mechanics. And oh I my God, of course. No, just um, a curiosity that you have, like a question that you want more clarity on, like anything that's sort of just like, floating to the top of your mind right now. Hmm. Could be big, could be small, could be anything. I've been wondering, and this is sort of a, a, a very big question, um, a very broad question. And if I could have an answer to anything right now, I would like to know if when common sense doesn't work, what's next? I love that question. When common sense doesn't work, what do we have? What's next? Okay, cool. I've been shuffling these cards and I'm just gonna keep cutting the deck a little bit on camera and you let me know when you wanna stop and then the top yeah. part, part is yours. Okay, stop. Great. Your card is the lovers. The lovers is all about desire. It's passionate. It's mutual. It could be romantic. It could be sexual, but it also could be um, about like the intense uh, mutual infatuation or affection of, of any love. It could be familial love. It could be friend love. It could be lover love. So I feel like that's like, what an amazing thing to like, when I don't know what to do, lead with love. When I don't know what to say, or like, you know, like my synapses aren't going, like, why don't I just like open my heart um, and lead with like who I wanna be, who I wanna be with and how that makes me feel. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, like I love the lovers. I, I sometimes I'm like I will draw the lovers every time if I have my way. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about that in conjunction with a sonnet, which who doesn't love love and sonnets? <laughs> mm-hmm. I love sonnets. I'm very excited about this. I, I could say many things about the 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 reading, but um, about what you just. But I'll wait. <laughs> I'll wait. That's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I for sure want to have you before I before I round this out. I'm for sure gonna have you talk about both the both the card and the sonnet. So same thing. You let me know when you're ready. Hmm. Okay, let's do it. This is sonnet twenty three. I also drew this sonnet for Kevin Cantor. <laughs> there for it. Ready. Mm-hmm. As an unperfect actor on the stage, who with his fear is put beside his part, or some fierce thing replete with too much rage, whose strength's abundance weakens his own heart. So I, for fear of trust, forget to say, the perfect ceremony of love's right. And in mine own love's strength seem to decay, or charged with burden of mine own love's might. Oh, let my looks be then the eloquence and dumb presagers of my speaking breast who plead for love and look for recompense. More than that tongue that more hath more expressed. Oh, learn to read what silent love hath writ, to hear with eyes so long to love's fine wit. I'm going to read this for you again. I literally can't believe that this is the one that we chose because Sonnet 23 is literally about like uh, the love that cannot be expressed in speech. The poet is like, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna trip over my speech. I'm gonna trip over my passion. I like don't know that I'm gonna say it perfectly. And if I can't say it perfectly, will I deserve the love in return? Um, but you gotta trust yourself and like love is imperfect and love is messy. Like that's the best thing about it that's what makes it real right yeah. okay yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna read this one more time because I know the, these sonnets are dense but I'm gonna like I'm gonna have you look at the card a little bit okay as an unperfect actor on the stage who with his fear is put beside his part or some fierce thing replete with too much rage whose strength's abundance weakens his own heart so I for fear of trust, forget to say the perfect ceremony of love's right. And in mine own love's strength seem to decay or charged with burden of mine own love's might. Oh, let my looks be then the eloquence and dumb presagers of my speaking breast who plead for love and look for recompense. More than that tongue that more hath more expressed. Oh, learn to read what silent love hath writ to hear with eyes belongs to love's fine wit. What comes up for you? What do you notice? What do you feel? Uh, perhaps I won't immediately be able to connect exactly why, but I've been thinking a lot lately and it sort of bubbled up as you were talking um, that I have been feeling very um, intensely for the first time maybe ever in my life that I have some something of a biological clock um, mm-hmm. and have not been able to really articulate 
what that means to me and what that means to anything I've ever told myself mm. as it pertains to um, connection, to family, to um, intimacy, and um, to thinking really far ahead into my future. Um, and so I, it just, uh, it just kept coming up as you were reading that. It just it sort of stayed at the 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 top of the top of what I was thinking. I I'm not entirely sure why. Or uh, why. Yeah, no. I thank you for sharing that. That's amazing. That's an amazing lens. Um, what a beautiful set of like two cards together. And um, you know, as queer people, we're like faced with like there's so much normalcy, like there's a script that we're supposed to follow in life, especially if you like grew up in a quasi suburban area, there's like a set of, there's a step of things to do. One, two, three, four, A to Z. And it's hard sometimes as queer people, we're like, well, I wanna rebel against that and write my own path. But what if some of the steps are the same? Do I have to like have this like <laughs> weird inner conflict? It's hard to like write your own story and not feel like, conflicted about what's normal and what's different and what is normal and who cares about normal. So I feel like, especially like these two cards in response to like, what do we do when common sense is left? Like, I think we just like open our imperfect hearts and listen to what the hell they have to say <laughs> and trust that they know a little something about how to lead us down the right path. I think you're right. Yeah, I think so. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. It always goes so fast. I can't believe we're already saying goodbye, but I'm I'm so glad. I'm like so grateful to have spent this time with you because we we spent precious little and like yeah, I'm, I'm like I'm so obsessed with the other like artistic crushes that you are connected to in my life. I'm obsessed that you did this thing with Louis Douthit, the crush of all crushes. I am like. So grateful to know more of you and more of your work. And I, I can't wait to create with you one day. Me too, Will. Thank you. Damn, I just really have to shout out some appreciation for Ada because she gave me a reminder in that interview that I needed when she talked about the dichotomy of staking your claim and being, you know, loud and blatant and obvious and visible versus just letting yourself be and not having to explain yourself. I fall into the trap of the former constantly. I'm really used to framing my work around my queerness and my transness in a way that makes it potentially fall into the realm of a disclaimer, which makes it potentially fall into the realm of something that I'm subconsciously apologizing for in a way and she is so spot on when she asks like why can't we just be I don't need to ask for permission for anyone from any of this I will exist and <laughs> that's all it is you know I have been fortunate enough to start to talk to theater students and undergraduates about you know, their training process, especially when it comes to queering their work and queering extant work and queering Shakespeare, um, but also just when it comes to how to perform and act through authenticity with a connection to who you 
are and all of your uniqueness. And in those moments, I hear an echo of my own fears from a decade ago. And in those moments, I really felt like I needed permission to infuse anything with queerness. That if it didn't make sense in the story, if it was not explicitly asked for or included, that it was not welcome. And I hear the remnants of that conflict, that internal conflict coming from these students today. And I really want to say to them, and honestly, through saying to them, saying to my past self, you don't need to apologize for or ask for permission on any of this. The best thing that you can do for yourself and for others is to be the most you that you can be. It took me, you know, a little while (laughs) to realize that for myself, but now that I have that knowledge, no one can take it away from me. The most important thing I can do with it is to share that knowledge with other people. And I feel very privileged to be able to instruct and advise any person, you know, on accessing their authenticity, but especially queer people and especially younger queer people, Um, because I know I really could have used that in those moments of my life. And I think I'm on the process of forgiving my past self and sort of mending my relationship with my current self and my past self through the work that I'm doing now. Um, I'm really grateful to have my co-creator, Aaron Murray, who created Tea Cakes and Tara with Will Wilhelm with me. And we're also working on a solo show called Gender Play that you might have heard mentioned in other episodes. And that is a meditation on infusing my aura and my essence into this industry that has given so much to me and I want to give so much of myself back to it. Instead of finding a hole that was left open and sort of squishing myself into it, I want to take the elements and the ingredients that I see and that I've been exposed to and that I've been inspired by and I want to concoct something different, something that only could have been made through my hands, through my eyes, through my spirit, through my voice, because I know that when I am in the theater, it is those moments that feel the most special, that feel the most impactful, that make me feel like my soul has like brushed up against another human soul in a way that I might otherwise not have been able to experience. And like that is what makes me a better artist, a better human, a better neighbor, a better child, a better friend. That is the kind of empathy that we all learn when we are gathered (laughs) with our community in the theater. And it makes me sad that people feel inclined to apologize for the parts of themselves that make them different, make them special. And I know I did that for a long time. And I'm releasing that and I'm forgiving myself because I know what brought me there. And part of my um, healing process from that is to ask others not to do that as much as I had, as much as I did, as much as I felt like I was supposed to. Yeah. (laughs) So that's what we're doing here. (laughs) And I appreciate that you're here doing it with me.
So, with all that said, I want to say a thank you to our fierce and fabulous team, our producer, the Island Shakespeare Festival, our sound engineer, Orion Schwalm, our graphic designer, Ray Catherine Morgan, and, like I mentioned, my co-creator, Aaron Murray. Thank you all so much for making Tea Cakes and Tarot with Will Wilhelm happen. As always, I'm going to leave you with one more reading of the sonnet. And if you listen to our first episode with Kevin Cantor, you will notice that this sonnet appeared twice quite early on, which means I think it has something to say to us. <laughs> so especially if you've already listened to that episode and are revisiting Sonnet 23, I invite you to close your eyes if you are in a space where it is safe to do that and let these words wash over you. Okay, here we go. <laughs> As an unperfect actor on the stage who with his fear is put beside his part, or some fierce thing replete with too much rage, whose strength's abundance weakens his own heart. So I, for fear of trust, forget to say the perfect ceremony of love's right, and in mine own love's strength seem to decay, or charged with burden of mine own love's might. Oh, let my looks be then the eloquence and dumb procedures of my speaking breast, who plead for love and look for recompense, more than that tongue that more hath more expressed. Oh, learn to read what silent love hath writ. To hear with eyes belongs to love's fine wit. All right, babes. Be loud. Be proud. But most importantly, remember to just be. No apologies. And until the next time, keep on shining. <laughs>